0: It's time. Time for what, you might ask? It's time to optimize your health and upgrade your life. Cutting-edge research, biohacks, ancestral wisdom, wellness, intuition, and more. This is the Synthesis of Wellness. Your host and biohacker Chloe Porter has a background in engineering, innovation and research. Her analytical background coupled with her journey in overcoming a brain tumor and defeating several chronic illnesses enables her to approach health and wellness in an innovative way. And now more than ever, she is ready to share her biohacking secrets and expose cutting edge research. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Synthesis of Wellness podcast.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. Today, we are super honored and excited to be joined by Dr. Jay Goodbinder. Dr. Goodbinder is a valedictorian graduate from Cleveland Chiropractic College and has extensive postdoctoral training in functional medicine, endocrinology, immunology, biochemistry, physiology, and epigenetics. He is an internationally recognized speaker on reversing severe diseases and the best-selling author of Defending Your Life. Specializing in epigenetic science, Dr. Goodbinder aims to prevent disease and optimize function using personalized functional medicine therapies, epigenetics, and lifestyle counseling. So I know we're only scratching the surface with that, but with that said, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We're super honored to have you.
2: Thank you for having me i'm excited to be here
1: absolutely so first off what got you into this specific field and uh, mainly epigenetics that we're going to talk about today
2: um i mean epigenetics is is you know if people understand what epigenetics is it's really important to understand that you should be able to be healthy you you should not express disease and uh you know when i was what 20 21 22 years old and i had psoriatic arthritis to the point where i couldn't use my hands anymore you know I had big basketballs for hands caps and scales over my skin and feeling like i was going to be a mutant the rest of my life and i i mean really i felt horrible about myself um the regular medical system failed me. that's i'm sorry I, that's what you get to hear i'm sorry you're unlucky it's genetic you learn how to live with it there's new treatments coming out all the time and you're like you know i don't want to be treated the rest of my life i don't want to just think it's genetic that's not the truth i want to learn so uh, after a real uh, emotional evening and understanding that there's no one that's going to help me I'm on six medications by the age of 23. Oh wow. Um, I basically said, you know, I, I'm going to become a doctor and fix myself because they can't fix me. So I looked into medical school, which you find out, well, you need to drug the rest of your life. That's just going down the same route. Osteopathic school is the same.
1: And, and what, what condition, what were, what were the symptoms, what was going on?
2: So with psoriatic arthritis um i have psoriasis all over my skin so it's like the big scabs and scales and you look not it doesn't doesn't look attractive um and then the hands are really swollen and a lot of pain you know i can't can't turn doors right i can't turn my steering wheel it's daily life activities of daily living is really rough yeah and it's, it's a rough situation and when the doctor tells you you know you'll have it the rest of your life there's new treatments coming out all the time that's a horrible, it's a death sentence, you know, at 20 something years old, early twenties, they're like, well, at the rest of your life. You're going to be sick. You'll always be in pain. Yeah. You'll never get married. You'll never have kids because I mean, who would marry you when you look like that and you're, you're disabled. Like it, I was not the person I wanted to be.
1: Sure. Yeah. And
2: so again, you know, I looked at every different medical field and, you know, I wanted to learn the truth is I didn't need drugs to be healthy. I didn't need to be on four different medications to feel better. I wanted the truth to be, well, if you figure out why you're sick, you get better. Well, in naturopathic medicine, a lot of a lot of the time it's the same thing. I do have a doctorate in naturopathic medicine as well. Um, but I didn't want to be prescribed herbs the rest of my life or take homeopathics the rest of my life or whatever they do. I wanted to find out that I could just be healthy on my own. And that was the reason I was drawn to chiropractic school. I'd never actually been to a chiropractor before. But they said, you know, give the body what it needs and the body will heal itself. I'm like, oh, that's the truth. That's the truth I want to know. So I go through chiropractic school about a year and a half in i spent about one hundred fifty thousand dollars by this point in time it's it's all loan money
1: yes loans
2: i just assume everything's going to be okay because i'm doing the right thing and at some point i go you know why when are we going to learn how to fix psoriatic arthritis i want to know how to fix my autoimmune disease and they said oh no no you went to the wrong school like we don't do that here we adjust you have to refer out for that and i'm like oh my god i just ruined my life i've ruined my life but then i found out they have a a, basically, a fellowship in internal medicine through chiropractic school called the Chiropractic Internist Program. Oh, cool. There's not a lot of chiropractors that do it. It doesn't open your scope of practice at all. Yep. What it does is it makes you elite at understanding uh, physiology, biochemistry, um, immunology, endocrinology. You are elite. I mean, I train medical doctors four times a year um, in how to think functionally and how to reverse chronic disease naturally. So when a patient comes to our clinic, it's always, all right. Keep in mind, you might be taking a bunch of pills for all the tests that we just did. But you're not gonna be on those forever. When they're gone, it's gone. It's done. You don't have to be dependent on me forever. And what we're known for is the most in depth testing anywhere in the world. So we can tell you exactly why you're sick exactly how to fix it, and then hold your hand and kind of walk you along the way. And that's what epigenetics really is is, hey, you don't have to express genetically this disease. Oh, well, my mom had rheumatoid arthritis. My mom's mom had rheumatoid arthritis. So I have rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Something caused you to express it. That gene was there. It was dormant and you made it active. So how do we make all of these genes that are sick genes become dormant again? And I think that's why we have such an extraordinary response with our patients. You know, we've had patients from 21 different countries come here. Wow. It's not because we're running run-of-the-mill tests. We run the most advanced laboratory testing in the world and make it very much black and white. This is why you're sick. This is exactly how to fix it. And then we try to help you in any way we can to make you achieve that goal.
1: I love that. I love that, and you know, my dad is actually a chiropractor as well. So I I resonate with a lot that you just said, and really appreciate the drive towards the internal medicine as well, where you yep. kind of integrated some of that into your practice. I like that. Yeah,
2: I mean, I don't do any. I never was an adjuster. That wasn't my thing. Yeah, I am a biochemist. That's what I do. You know, and so uh, it's just it's a totally different field, and it's interesting when I talk to people a lot, they'll say, oh. You know, oh, you're a chiropractor, my neck. And I go, wait, 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 wait. I'm a chiropractic internist. I don't do musculoskeletal. That's not me. I do biochemistry, very specifically.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of, I guess we'll just dive right in. Like what kind of tests do you do you order right off the bat? Does it depend on you get like symptoms? What kind right. of stuff? Walk me through that.
2: So we we have a form we send out to everyone before their consultation with me. Okay. Which is about 70 pages. And it's a ton of stuff. And you've got to spend about an hour on it to really get through it. And then I sit with a patient for about an hour. And whether it's on Zoom or in person, you know, again, not everyone who's from a different country just flies in. They may do a Zoom and I can order labs anywhere. Uh, But I'll sit there and ask a whole lot of questions to understand which labs are appropriate. If I ran every lab, every lab that we had, it would be like a $50,000 worth of labs. You know, insurance doesn't cover this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's really trying to whittle down and understand which labs are appropriate. No matter what, even one test. That, if we run one test, it's still gonna be the most in-depth testing anyone's ever had in their life. But typically, we'll run between four and ten tests, four and eleven tests, on a person, and, and that equates to somewhere between six hundred and a thousand lab values. Wow. So wow. it just yeah. depends on what we what we see think is necessary.
1: Okay, and would you say like a a genetic test is is pretty standard for most of your clients?
2: Uh, actually, no. Really? Um, yeah, so here, here's the deal. So we run outlandishly in-depth DNA testing as well. Gotcha. And we will get all sorts of SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms to understand the genetic variants. We can do that. And we do that across the board with our cancer patients that come here. Um, gotcha. We think yeah. it's necessary to get that right away. But in general, just because someone has a gene doesn't mean they're expressing the gene. And so we can go and treat a whole lot of single nucleotide polymorphisms and say, Hey, you don't do this and you can't do this. And you're not good at this because your genes say so. But when we take the actual lab data from what is your body doing? How's your liver processing? How is, you know, X, Y, Z happening? You go, actually, you're not expressing this gene. Oh, you're not expressing that gene either. So just cause you have a gene, it's, it's kind of a waste of treatment to go, Hey, I'm going to treat all these single nucleotide polymorphisms when you're not expressing. So what we do get, one what, what of the a lot of the neater tests, we get to see the way your body's processing things and you go, hey, you actually are expressing this genetic variant and this genetic variant, this single nucleotide polymorphism. And you go, okay, so we can supplement and bypass that. You'll feel a pathway open that you've never had your entire life. And that is miraculous when it happens. But I always think it's more important to understand why you're expressing the genes versus just putting you on a supplement the rest of your life and saying it's genetic just like your doctors did. Exactly. <coughs> it's okay. It's COVID. No big deal. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I'm always fascinated with all the different types of testing out there. And I do really like that you really hit home the point of, are you expressing it or are you not? Because like you just said, you can get a test and it can show something, but maybe you're not even expressing it. Maybe it's not even a worry and possibly even a waste
2: of money at that point. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've watched patients, you know, most of the patients that come to see me, they've already been to four different functional doctors, three different naturopaths, three different endocrinologists, 10 different primary cares, and no one's giving them help. And they'll come in on 30 supplements from all sorts of, ge- Oh, look at all my, I have all these genetic steps. And you go, can you just, no, don't, can we just not do that right now? Can we just get some real testing, understand why? And then, yeah, you'll be on some of those. I'm sure some of those snips are active, but not 30 supplements worth. And you don't need to do that the rest of your life. Sorry you're put on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So blood tests, are are those mainly what you do? Do you do gut testing? Oh,
2: yeah, we do stool, blood, urine, fecal. uh, Stool, blood, urine, spit. We don't do any hair. I don't like the hair testing. Okay. Um, Stool, blood, urine. I mean, we do every body fluid you can get your hands on. That you wouldn't want to get your hands on even. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, it really just tells us a lot. You know, it's always... Have we, do we have any exposures? Do we have metals? Do we have molds? Do we have environmental toxins? Do we have even like your glyphosates and things like that? Do you have, uh, what are your hormones doing? How's your liver processing? And then you, you draw it all back to it. You go, hey, you know, I'll see you. So when I train a lot of medical doctors and osteopaths in functional medicine, yep. you know, it'd be like, I talked to, okay, so let me talk. So one of the doctors that I trained was out in North Carolina and he'd open a functional clinic and he has a patient that came in with rheumatoid arthritis. Now with our clinic, we're basically 100% remission on all rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, uh, enteropathic arthropathy in lupus patients. Basically get full remission, get off drugs. That's just typical. So he said, I got this rheumatoid arthritis patient came, that came in. What supplement do I give her? Um, you, no, no, you figure out why she has rheumatoid arthritis. You don't get, Right, right, right but what an anti-inflammatory supplement? And I'm just like, no, you have to think differently. It's not, you, you understand that most of these patients, they, most of the doctors would give them a biologic drug, Enbrel, Humera, Cosentix, you know, one of those. And a yeah. lot of them inhibit interleukin-12, tumor necrosis factor alpha, interleukin-6, interleukin-17A, all the pro-inflammatory cytokines. Right. Because those pro-inflammatory cytokines are raised in the body, which cause the pain. Well, you have anti-inflammatory cytokines too, anti-cytokine cytokines specifically that control the the increase in those pro-inflammatories. Well, why is that other one that controls those? Why is that low? That's the question we need to ask.
1: Good point.
2: If so if we find out, like, hey, there's an infection in the intestine that's going to going to stimulate that. That infection in the intestine is going to create some permeability. That's going to create some liver dysfunction where the liver going to be hyperexcited. Some of the accessories to liver healing are tumor intercrossing factor alpha and interleukin 17A. Oh, and, and uh, interleukin 12. They all are actually accessories to liver healing. So now we have bacteria that's stimulating the inflammatory response. We're creating some liver damage because some permeability is allowing for those bacteria to get into the portal vein up to the liver. The liver's now having to create an immune response. And so, of course, you're going to flatline interleukin 10, which naturally controls those. You're going to flatline it because you're trying to protect the liver. You're trying to create the inflammation. You're trying to fix the liver.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: And so it's what your body's supposed to do. And then they go, nope, just shut it down. Those are inflammation. Shut it down. You feel better. Don't you? I I do feel better. Well, about one you're going to get lymphoma or leukemia now. So I'm sorry to hear that, but you know, you can't control any of your pathogens because some of those are markers for pathogens too.
1: Yeah, no, I, you know, I love the distinction between like acute inflammation and chronic because we're always on this anti-inflammatory kick, but you know, Inflammation is a natural process, and it does happen for a reason, um, just like you were mentioning, but it's when it gets out of hand, chronic, that, of course, things get get rogue and we need to take care of it. But so, okay, say a patient walks into your clinic and maybe they have all these weird symptoms, maybe mold, maybe a biotoxin, maybe autoimmune. Where do you start with them and where do you kind of Go from there, I guess. Well, kind of so walk
2: initially, out. initially because it's immediate, so I just put my hand on my, lay my holy hand upon them, and they're healed, and saved, heal demons out. Will and you then
1: we wish, you wish? <laughs> right?
2: Uh, no, so initially, so it all starts with we'll get a bunch of labs right out of the shoot. Before we can get the labs back, we have them eating a perfect diet. I have my holistic health educator walk them through it. It's all planned out. Typically, people lose a little weight, they poop better, sleep better, have more energy.
1: And what does the diet, is it like mainly paleo, AIP? What do you What do you focus so on? So
2: we, we really focus on a lot of fruits and vegetables with a little bit of meat every day.
1: Okay, okay. So pretty cool. Uh,
2: and, and that's, I mean, so that's what I've, I've coined as the human sufficiency diet. The impeccable diet, if you will. And uh, I spent a year doing epigenetics research up in Indianapolis. And uh, basically humans who eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, a little bit of meat. So let's talk about this. I, I don't want to get too far off topic, but I'm, I'm excited about talking about it. So let's do it. The most valuable thing that your liver does for us is it deaminates proteins. It takes proteins apart. And that's part of the detoxification process, but it's also how you make neurotransmitters. It's how you go and form cellular membranes and things of that nature. It's just a super important thing. It's the most important thing your liver does. It takes proteins apart. So if we are doing a strong paleo diet and eating tons and pounds and pounds of meat a day, you can see how your liver would quickly have most of its available energy predisposed to take care of all the proteins coming in. It's going to focus on that. So if sure. it's always doing that, it's harder to mature white blood cells. It's hard to detoxify. It's harder to do a lot of things. So one of the things we do initially is we have you eat tons of vegetables, a little bit of fruit, a little bit of meat every day. You always want meat. Um, grass-fed, grass-finished, appropriately raised meats, of course. And what it does is when you pull back on the protein a little bit, it allows your liver to do some housekeeping. So now you can actually detoxify. You can deaminate your proteins better. You can make your neurotransmitters better. Everything can clean up easier because now instead of worrying about processing all the food coming in, we can do our housekeeping.
1: Do you you ever worry about having too much fruit for certain patients and then that fructose just getting shot right to the liver?
2: Yeah, so that's interesting you mentioned that. So our rule typically is however many vegetables you eat, you can eat half as many fruits.
1: Okay, gotcha.
2: You know. Uh, Now, fructose, it's great that you had mentioned that. Obviously, fructose can actually be utilized directly by the liver. Um, It can't be used that way anywhere else in the body. Only the liver can utilize fructose directly, except for one thing in men. Do you know what that is, by chance? Mm -mm. Sperm. So the motility of sperm is governed by fructose. So if men want their swimmers to swim better, more fruit.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) Interesting. So
2: if you do a ton of vegetables... uh, Nutrient density with calorie restriction is key. So there is a study done on rats that showed if you can have a nutrient dense, calorie restricted diet, you can actually increase your life expectancy by forty percent. Forty percent. That's an incredible number.
1: Yeah. So what
2: we're trying to do initially is take all the pressure off the liver, let the liver make its glutathione. You know, glutathione is your body's major antioxidant, protects you against aging and breakdown. So glutathione is also the rate limiting step on protecting your kidneys. So when you pull back on your protein a little bit, it allows you to create more glutathione and protect your kidneys as well. Also your kids won't have to process as much protein. You have a ton of nutrient density coming with all those those vegetables. You're getting fructose, which does not require an insulin spike, which is inflammatory, to break down because your liver is breaking it down. Because fructose can be broken down directly by the liver instead of insulin. You'll get some insulin just because of the cephalic phase insulin response. Sweet touches the tongue, your body secretes insulin. Yeah. But other than that, you're fine. And then you have your, your bits of protein in there. So you tend to clean out your body really well and react, react really well to a human sufficiency diet.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. I think nutrient density is, is definitely key. And I can relate to a lot of the reasoning behind that diet for sure.
0: Yeah.
2: So
1: you get them on this diet and then you're doing testing next step.
2: The uh, next step is I'll break all the labs down about four weeks in, three and a half weeks in, I break all the labs down. And it's one of those amazing moments for most of my patients. It's the same thing that I always wanted. Just tell me why. Tell me how to fix it. You never had answers before. Now you're going to have answers. I mean, you should see. It's so great. We have a Kleenex box that sits next to the chairs in here. Um, a lot of the time, I mean, you get tears. You're like, this is, I mean, I've been to so many doctors and, and no one ever told me why. This is very clear. This is exactly why you're sick. Oh my God. You know, that sort of thing. So it's neat. And it's always I can't think of anything that's longer than two years. Typically, it's somewhere between five months and two years, and almost everyone's in remission from whatever.
1: Wow, that's that's pretty awesome. And you know, kind of going back to that point of being happy—you finally found like a reason. Because, like you were saying, people go to so many different doctors, so many different clinics, with so many symptoms over years, spending money, and then they finally get an answer. It, it can be happy, even if the answer is like okay, yeah, you have this, we got to deal with it, we got to fix it, but at least we know what we're working with.
2: Right, exact, 100%, you get a finite answer, you get a black and white answer, it's no more guessing.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, okay, now moving a little bit more into epigenetics, because I see epigenetics, you can obviously use it for even just promoting wellness in your life, maybe you are, you know healthy in a broad sense, and you just want to continue that or increase health span, what are some different SNPs maybe to look out for? And what are some different ways to see if those SNPs are actually being expressed? And maybe even how to modulate them?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's all sorts of HLA, DAO type SNPs uh, that deal with Histamine responses. A lot of people have allergies and histamine responses. Yeah, you know a lot of that comes from gut inflammatory markers. So you got to you really do want to see what's going on inside of the gut if you're going to have a lot of allergies. Just because eosinophilic protein X um, is an inflammatory gut modulator, and as we know, gut's main responsibility—I mean, your liver's main responsibility—is to deaminate protein. So when that eosinophilic protein X goes into the portal vein, the liver will take off that protein X, and then you have eosinophils going through your blood. That's what makes allergies. And you're more prone with a certain SNP, those like HLA D, DAO, just, there's, there's a bunch that some yeah. aren't just mine right now, but, um, that you're more predisposed to create a histamine response. So keeping the gut inflammatory process down are really important. And yeah. you can use I mean, things like vitamins, vitamin C will help get rid of some of your, uh, some of your histamine. And even, uh,
1: like, do you do like diamine oxidase supplements too, in that case?
2: Oh, Diamino D amino oxidase. Yeah, I mean you can you can definitely use those supplements. That'll be helpful. Uh, vitamin C, quercetin's super helpful. Yeah, black seed oil can be helpful. I mean, those are all those are all uh, ways to help with that. Uh, first and foremost, you need to keep a really healthy gut lining, and so your allergies aren't going to take over. Uh, so if you have bacterial infections or fungal infections, parasitic infections, uh, inflammatory processes. Now, one of the inflammatory processes that goes along with that is uh you have your comt plus plus your catecholamino methyltransferase plus plus you have your gad genetic variants i mean there's there's all sorts of genetic variants that make it so it's harder to calm down
1: gotcha
2: hyperexcitation is inversely related to gastric mucus Okay. so if we're excited on a consistent basis we will actually decrease the mucus mucus is there to protect your gut and if you put that mucus down now you have microvilli that are not being protected and you'll damage and create more permeability And voila, more autoimmune disease, more allergies. Which side effect, not only that, sometimes you go, is it a neurotransmitter that's causing my depression? Maybe, maybe you've been hyperexcited your whole life. Maybe you can't calm down. Maybe your mind's always racing and you just, you can't take it anymore. It could be the genetic variant doing that. It could be the genetic variant that has now compromised your intestinal permeability, which is the same as your blood brain barrier permeability. And everyone's finding right now in research, very clear, an allergic response to inflammation in the brain is more indicative of depression and anxiety than just a single neurotransmitter. So sure. is it the GAD variant where you can't change glutamate over to GABA? GABA being calming, glutamate being excitatory. Is it catecholamine methyltransferase where you can't get the dopamine out to uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and then slide it down to homocysteine? Is the reason that you can't, you're pooling excitatory neurotransmitters? Maybe. You know, so it, it's just really important to test everything so you don't make a just a dump. Yeah, so many doctors are so scared to ask for testing. The, oh, the, the tests are expensive. Who yeah. cares? Get the result. Just be done. Just, you know what? I I, I mean, I've had, an, I have a couple nurse practitioners and I'm always hiring more. And a lot of them are scared. Like, well, you know, I didn't tell them to do that. I told them to try to supplement. So, okay. Did you get your degree at GNC? where's your value? If you know that without a doubt, you can figure out why someone's sick and you say, well, let's just try a supplement. You became a green allopath. Allopathic medicines prescribing a drug with the hope that it's going to make you feel better. We'll never take care of the symptom. I mean, never take care of the root cause. You will be sick forever. You'll always be on that drug. And then another drug and another drug. We're going to go green allopathy. I'm going to put you on the supplement. You'll never get off. And then I'll give you another supplement and another supplement. It's the same thing. It's just one's natural, one's not.
1: Good point. Yeah, for sure.
2: Highly advocating for just get testing. And a lot of people won't know how to read the tests. And so that's one of the things I do for the doctors down in, we do it in Miami Beach. But where I train them is just like test after test, going through it and understanding why. Here, let me show you. Um, This is just kind of a gross piece of of paper. But I mean, so I had a nurse practitioner that it's going to be starting with me in December. And I'm just drawing up pathways like, most, do you do you know much about the uh, immunoglobulins? Okay, so you know lots about immunoglobulins. Do you know much about immunoglobulin D? Uh, a
1: little bit, yeah. yeah. A little
2: bit, a little bit. Most people would tell you, no one knows what immunoglobulin D does. We don't worry about immunoglobulin D. That's normally what they say. You know, E deals with allergies. Uh sure. Uh, M is your initial responder, G is a memory cell, uh, GM, A is mucus, but D actually takes antigens that are inside. So, so A is creating this mucus in, right. let's say, in your gut. Let's say in your, it, it can be in the vaginal walls, it can be in your sinuses, it can be in your lungs. And what IgD does is it goes and grabs an antigen from the mucus. And it goes get, and gives it to the basophils. And basophil levels will come up. Now, you know, a lot of doctors be like, oh, basophils, that deals with allergies. So you have an al- you have allergies. We need to put you on Zyrtec. You go, what are you doing? Uh, why? Basophils were coming up because the basophils were about to hand that to the B cells because the basophils actually help create, proliferate, and activate B cells. So the B cells could go create Uh, cytotoxic T cells to go and attack. They are all connected. And so that's what I was just drawing out a pathway because my nurse practitioner was like, oh, their stuff went up. So what do you do? This isn't good. Like, no, it is good. Their body's doing exactly what I want it to do. It's now, this is the pathway. Yeah. And so if if doctors really understand pathways, what they're doing makes a lot more sense um, unless they're giving drugs, in which case they're just shutting pathways down that are meant to do something.
1: Right. No, I agree. Do you ever because a lot of practitioners also take the approach of like, let's calm down the inflammation so that signaling can get better in in the short term, but then also heal the root cause. Do you do, you do anything like that?
2: Yeah. So I think what what because I'll do that.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: what I'm trying to do is when I try to calm down inflammation, it's not necessarily calming inflammation. It's calming down the adaptive immune response. So most of the time, what's what's become compromised like, and, you know, however you do it. So if you're exposed to a biotoxin, whether it's mold or a metal or a environmental chemical, you will get an adaptive immune response. So if you think of you have innate and you have adaptive immunity, they're on a board together. And if you go, I'm going to stimulate adaptive. Well, now we've just. Imbalance our immune system so the adaptive immune, the uh, innate immune response goes down. That's your innate immunity, natural killers that go in and go, hey, there's something wrong over there. I need to go kill that. When you imbalance it because you've been exposed to something, you become inflamed and you're shooting off these immunoglobulins like IgD, IgG, IgM. They're shooting off randomly everywhere. If you imagine, hey, I'm I'm just sitting here in my country over here and the country next door is shooting over rockets all the time. I want missile defense. So I'm going to try to shoot down all those rockets. That's your adaptive immune response. All these rockets keep flying. Let's shoot, shoot, shoot. Try to knock all this stuff down. Man. I wish I could go over there and and blow up that rocketeer over there so they can't shoot rockets anymore. But Hey, that's my, that's my innate immune response. That's way down here. I can't control it. And so I just keep shooting more and more. That's the inflammation. So what I want to do is I want to push innate immunity and push down adaptive immunity so we can rebalance and then go up together. In a balanced, cohesive unit to go attack every everything. But not necessarily yourself, because now yeah. we'll have better self-self-recognition.
1: No, I love that. And great analogy. I think anytime we can balance out the body, it's going to innately heal itself. So oh. completely agree. Now, do you do you see patients that come in that just want to optimize their wellness and don't necessarily have anything, maybe just, they want more energy or maybe athletic performance, aging, stuff like that. What testing do you do for them? And then how do you kind of modify their lifestyle or help them modify their lifestyle to
2: do that? So it can be more specific to like what they want. You know, if we tell them to go, uh, for top of the food chain dieting, which is lots of grass fed, grass finished meats, grass-fed A2 raw yogurts, fermented dairy that way, uh, fruit, honey, all those things are really super low in lectins. So you're not gonna inflame the gut line. You're not gonna create a lot of allergies. We've actually had people with colitis and Crohn's disease like go away in like within a week, just doing that diet. You go, I'm not gonna do anything that's gonna be hard. Now, sometimes the grass-fed A2 raw fermented dairy can yeah. create some issues. Uh, for most people it doesn't though uh, because you don't have the casein A1 protein, which is the hyperinflammatory which, by the way, they put directly into feeding two recipes for our sick and elderly. It's pretty gross. I just posted it today oh on my God. social media. I, I posted a video. I actually posted the a picture of the bag um, on my Facebook live this, on my Facebook this morning, and then I posted one on TikTok as well. Um, it's just unbelievable. The first four ingredients, and I'm going to get back into it in a second, but the, the four, first four ingredients were water. This is, okay, first off, just um, picture this. So the feeding tube recipe in the bag is—it's made by Nestle's. Just, just let yeah. you know. Yeah. So you can cl- clearly tell they know all about nutrition. The, okay. So first ingredient is water. Let's just put that off to the side. Water off to the side. The next four ingredients are all things I would say don't ever do this. And then the rest of the ingredients in the entire bag is less than two percent. So these four ingredients are the bag. Glucose syrup, so just pure sugar. Second, <laughs> second ingredient, canola oil. Oh, wow. <laughs> Third ingredient is casein A1 protein.
1: So just take the bad stuff out of the milk. and. and...
2: <laughs> hey, here's our byproduct. Put it in there. <laughs> right. And number four is soy protein isolate.
1: Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's wow. the
2: bag. That's what they're giving our elderly and our children when they're, you know, born and need to be on a feeding tube. That's what they're giving them.
1: Wow. I didn't even know that. That is crazy.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you check out the Epigenetics Healing Center page or Dr. Goodbinder on Facebook or on TikTok, um, yeah. I actually posted on both. <coughs> it's pretty nasty stuff. Wow. Oh, but back, back, back. So back to casein. <laughs> so A2 grass fed pasture. That, so that's a top of the food chain. Our really high level athletes respond really well to that. Because it's all like it stimulates growth hormone. You feel incredible energy you have a ton of energy coming through cuz there's a lot of ATP there's a lot of um uh calories macronutrients coming in but what yeah, you'll see you like is with
1: colostrum too
2: Oh I like colostrum actually there's a place here in Kansas City we'd have patients go to sometimes only a couple of them do it but you can go get the grass-fed A2 raw organic colostrum here Oh
1: cool You cool.
2: I mean just straight up you dig in I, I haven't tried it but <laughs> I'm sure it's great um <laughs> But yeah, so you get top of the food chain. Um, I don't recommend carnivore for very many people because I think it's it's not a living, it's not something you can live on forever. I think it's going to be a short-lived thing.
1: Very short-lived, yep.
2: Um, I don't recommend veganism for anybody ever, really. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and the eye roll. Uh, it's not a great situation. Uh, but yeah, as far as anti-aging and performance enhancing, we do a lot. We do all the peptides all the hormones we have a hyper we have a hard shell hyperbaric chamber here we do ivs some of our ivs are custom uh meaning that really, really okay. no one has them um, really Let's impressive talk
0: stuff. talk
1: about some of that because i'd love to know more about like your peptide treatments ivs yeah
2: so well un- unfortunately the fda just shut down a whole lot of them Really, they decided that they're just not safe they're not enough data I'm like, what but- they have an incredible safety profile but they decided, you know, the FDA is really a strong arm wing of the pharmaceutical companies. That's what it is. And so it's just, it's an ugly, bad thing. When BPC-157, body protection compound, made you heal again like you were 10 years old. It was well, well absorbed orally, over 60%. MK-677 is a growth hormone secretagogue. Instead of having to put growth hormone in you, which is perfectly safe, apparently, but we can prescribe that too. But instead of putting the growth hormone directly in you, we would have you take a pill or you can do injections of a different, different uh, pep, growth hormone peptides that make your brain produce it. So when you bring the pep, the growth hormone on the outside, it shuts your brain down. This is stimulating your brain to produce it. Better situation.
1: Huge. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. Um, there's things like selenk uh, which is like a nasal spray that can increase short term memory, decrease anxiety. Worked wonderful. Um, there's MOTC that can make you age slower, protect your DNA um, lower your blood sugars and give you energy. I mean, these things are all wonderful peptides. I'm sure there's a bunch of TB, TB four, um, was taken off the market like two years ago, but that stuff was amazing at regenerating short range, short uh, term memory for Alzheimer's and dementia patients. Oh well, yeah. I mean, but it's not legal anymore. Right. It's 22 peptides long. And if it's over 20, it's illegal. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's considered a biologic at that point. So, I mean, it's so crazy what they've done. The FDA is not your friend. And so people like oh man i wish the fda would regulate supplements so we know what we're getting no you don't no you don't and all that's doing is putting it in the hands of people who prescribe who have no clue how to use a supplement so that the supplement industry goes down that's all that is it's a pharmaceutical move it is not for your benefit
1: yeah yeah now okay tying some of this back into really optimizing our epigenetics Yep, And and maybe even, we didn't speak on DNA methylation. Could you speak on that and maybe what you would do or how you would customize maybe an IV treatment for an under over?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, just a simple thing would be to slow down methylation. If you're, in about 7% of people are over 93% are under That's what, what they're finding. Okay. So for that 7%, for the, the minority, what you want to do is, more niacin, more hydroxyl cobalamin. Hydroxyl is a methyl negative B12. There's about four different forms of B12 that I know of. There may be more, but that's all I know of. Which is, you have methyl B12, which is going to methylate you. That's for an undermethylator. You have hydroxyl B12, which is a methyl negative B12. You have adenosyl, which is cellular B12, which is great for people with a transcobalamin genetic variant where they can't get B12 into the cell, so that you have to use the cellular version. Oh, okay. And then you have cyanocobalamin, which is cyanide connected to cobalamin. That's just cheap junk they give you at the hospital because they don't care. Because insurance pays the same whether they give you a or they give you cyano. It doesn't matter. So insurance pays for it. You get the worst thing because that's the biggest profit margin. Right. Yeah. I mean, I looked at doing it. I don't. Know. I've been talking about it all day today. I really wanted to open up a long-term health facility for for adults, basically a, a nursing home, an assisted living. That basically fed everyone the perfect diet, human sufficiency. Got IVs, hyperbarics, uh, did uh, meditation type stuff, we did exercise. To, yeah. Yes, we do. And you know what? Your long-term health insurance, your long-term care insurance, will pay the same for that as they pay for that bag of uh, poison for the uh, for the feeding tubes. It doesn't matter to them.
0: Yeah. It doesn't
2: have a profit margin. I talked to someone about it. I looked into this years ago, a woman who runs seven and she goes, I love that. I would love to invest in that, but I want you to know this. You will lose money. Wow. It will cost you more to give that to them than they'd be willing to reimburse you.
1: That's sad.
2: Right? Because they're just a number. It's all money game. Yeah. You go, well, what about, what about, what? that's why we need universal insurance. No, that's the exact reason you don't want universal insurance because insurance is going to give you what you don't want. You're paying for stuff. That is insurance. If you're going to die, this is why you want it. If all heck breaks loose, this is why you get it. You don't use insurance to make yourself healthier. That's not what it's built for. And the fact that people are relying on insurance to help them get healthy again, shows the break in the system.
1: Right. Right. So what, what do we do? Oh, back yeah.
2: Adding a carbon and three hydrogens onto something to activate or inactivate the process. So we went through the B12s. Um, You have to know what you're doing. Just because you have MTHFR, at methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, the enzymatic genetic variant that probably at least 50% of the population has, it's one of the things that, in my opinion, it's a lower level doctor that goes through and tells everyone they have MTHFR because they don't have knowledge of everything else. So they just go, hey, you have MTHFR. Here, I can treat you. Here, take this methylfolate. I'm going to give you 5 grams. I'm going to give you 10 grams you need this forever because it's going to cause detoxification problems and you won't be able to digest certain things and you're going to have depression and anxiety and blah, 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 blah. They're making recommendations and they're extrapolating way too much out of MTHFR that doesn't exist. So picture this. I'm going to draw a pathway in the air. I'm pretty good with my hands. So you have folic acid, doesn't exist. Crystallized synthetic version you find in a laboratory. Folate, natural folate. They use these interchangeably on packaging labels. Then you have calcium folinate or folinic acid. Then there's MTHFR, methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. That enzyme converts you to five MTHF MTHF, 5 methyl tetrahydrofolate. Now you're active. You have an active folate inside the methylation pathway. Okay. Cobalamine will come in and you can methylate that cobalamine, unless there's more, you bring methylcobalamine and now you have double methyl. Um, so you bring the cobalamine in, you'll transfer the methyl group over to the methylcobalamine. That'll go meet up with, this is a kind of a smaller version, methionine, an amino acid you get from proteins, methionine, an essential amino acid. You will now meet and methylate that, and then you'll, down the pathway, create SAMI-S-adenosylmethionine, which is your cellular methionine. It's your biggest methylator. That is a precursor in how you spin BH4. BH4 is how you convert tyrosine and dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and tryptophan into serotonin and melatonin. Then those go down to create homocysteine which is homocysteine is an independent risk factor for a stroke that will shrink the part of your brain responsible for sleep wake cycle and short-term memory it's one of the causes of alzheimer's disease one of the causes there's multiple
0: Mm
2: -hmm. now you will use methylfolate or methyl b12 to help get that homocysteine out you'll use b6 to help get that out and go down to transulfuration where you detoxify and create glutathione or you use your betaine groups your trimethylglycine and other methyl you methylate homocysteine out And you're just spinning the pathway to create more more neurotransmitters. Come down this way. Go down through transulfuration, make glutathione, sulfur, taurine. Have you heard of, um, you know what NAC is? N-acetylcysteine? Yep. So homocysteine turns into cysteine, turns into uh, homocysteine. I'm sorry. Homocysteine turns into cysteine, turns into N-acetylcysteine, which is your precursor to glutathione. That's transulfuration right there. And that's where your GAD genetic variant affects things. GAD, where you can't convert glutamine into GABA well, but if you're sliding through cystothione beta synthase too quickly, that's one of the SNPs that you would test for, that at a long time deregulates it. So homocysteine will actually be low, but you'd be streaming through transulfuration. Instead of going down to glutathione, you make glutamate and then we get hyperexcited inability to calm down. So that's where niacin actually slows that pathway down right there. And that's where we're saying if gotcha. you're an overmethylator, you add extra niacin. If you're okay. an overmethylator, you, you bring in hydroxocobalamin so you can suck that methyl group off of methylfolate. So now we're deciding on where we are. We have to know all the different steps in the pathway to know where to excite, where to slow down, where to make things work. And if you have high anxiety issues, yeah, 5-hydroxychloroquine can be helpful. L-theanine can be helpful. It helps with GABA production. Niacin can help. You know, all those things can help slow things down. Now there's herbs that can do it too. Well, I take, uh, what's the sleeping one? It starts with a V? Valerian. Yeah. So valerian root, though, it can be habit-forming. It'll put you to sleep. It'll help calm you down, but now you're taking natural Xanax. I mean, that's right. what that is.
1: True. Yeah. So you have to
2: be careful, even if you're taking something natural. I don't like people taking melatonin. Melatonin shuts off your brain from producing melatonin.
1: What about as like a antioxidant? Same. Okay.
2: So okay, that's a good question. Hold on one second. And I'm back. I had to turn off my space heater. It's been so cold in my room. Now <laughs> it's a lot. I'm like having hot flashes over here. Um, not really. That's more of a, not my thing. Um, so, um, melatonin as an antioxidant. So I've seen it. I've seen this guy who goes on. He's like, I do 120 milligrams a day. You get a really high dose. You get tons of energy, antioxidants. I'm not sure if it makes sense. I I talked to another medical doctor who I respect greatly up in Minnesota. Okay. He's actually the only person that I sit and talk to. And I go, you actually know as much as I do. This is great. Mm -hmm. We know different things, but we can sit there and talk for an entire day straight. And it's just always interesting. Very fun. Um. She is an advocate for that, but um, I think in the long run, it causes problems because just bringing that in consistently, you have negative feedback loops. And I'm just going back to basic chemistry, which is, yeah, it's an antioxidant, but you also want to be able to produce your own antioxidant. So I'd rather you just take a bunch of 5-hydroxy tryptophan.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I just had um, someone I really respect too on my podcast talk about uh, melatonin as an antioxidant and that, you know, she takes it. All the time and and you know yes like I agree with you I see in the research it it can do some great stuff but I also agree that you know if our body is is supposed to be producing it then like you said there are those feedback loops and interfering with that just didn't really sit too well with me
0: right
2: so I mean I, I've never heard of someone saying like hey let's take 10 5 tryptophan pills let's let's take 10,000 000- are a thousand units of 5-hydroxy tryptophan once. you may get a similar result in that your brain would produce it. I've never I've never even thought of, I might have to try that. I don't, don't want to... <laughs> I, I tend to try things on myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so it, it's one of those things that just going back to epigenetics, which is, hey, if we live the way a human lives, you're going to be relatively free of disease. Now, we can biohack, biohack things for sure, um, but I will say that taking all that melatonin seems to change people's disposition as well. The way they talk, the way they act, their animation,
0: it really seems wow. to alter
2: their personality. I've seen it. I've watched it. Um, so I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. I've even seen someone who took 70 milligrams, 70 milligrams a day of methylfolate. And that guy had nothing. He was like, it was like talking to a wall. It was very weird. There was no expression wow. at all. He's like, Oh, but my, my functional doctor told me I need to take this much. You understand that how much 70 milligrams, that's a huge dose. A typical huge, so I think 800 micrograms is what would be like a big dose. 800 micrograms, five milligrams is a a prescription dose. I think Deplin is 10 or 15 milligrams. He was taking more than four times that. And I couldn't even talk to him. It was like, it was, it was very interesting thing. I talked to him and I couldn't get to him at all. He was just gone.
1: Wow. Yeah. So I go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we're getting close on time. So I wanted to kind of wrap up because we talked about so many different things from methylation to all these different cool really treatments and testing options. So could we maybe walk me through like a day where someone is, is kind of biohacking their day, maybe even what you do supplements. If you do any, um, any IVs, peptides, just kind of walk me through an uh-huh. ideal wellness day.
2: So an ideal wellness day for me. So get up, I drink a big glass of water. Cause that's what I do. I start off my day with water because I'm thirsty. <laughs> um, it's reasonable. um, I always take uh, something called Omni support which is it's from life support health products. You can get online there. It's an expensive supplement, but it hits everything. It's called Omni because it really is spore form bacteria, vitamin D at 5,000 IU methylated, chelated nutrients, superoxide dismutase in a gut stable version coming from a melon skin. So like it oh, just wow. goes right in. I mean, it's an incredible product. On life support they have Omni support. So I'll do a scoop of that, take my fish oil.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's really how I start my day. Now, Throughout the day, I may take when I start eating. I may take a berberine with my food. Berberine lowers blood sugars. It's anti-fungal, so it kills off yeast. One of the things yeast eats is glutathione, so it's preserving your glutathione levels as well.
1: Ooh, wow! I didn't I didn't know yeast actually consume Eat, like glutathione. Well, wow.
2: they they consume sulfur. So anytime you hear phio, thio, t h i o, that means sulfur. Got so that, can, cystathione. Alpha-lipoic acid is really phyoctic acid. Those are all high high sulfur-containing antioxidants, so it'll eat it up. So
1: it's preventing the the production, basically.
2: Yeah, preventing the production. and keeps your blood sugars lower, so you get less oxidative stress, so you can age slower. So that's great. Plus, it stimulates GOP-1, which there's a big, who do you do about GOP-1 now? Right. Um, So you don't feel as hungry. You burn fat for energy. Um, Those are all really good things. And I'll take a berberine with each meal. Okay. Um, so that's really important. Uh, I may drop in some NMN.
1: Mm, NMN and
2: yeah. it's it's a partial precursor to NAD. It goes down some other pathways too, but it does pre- produce some NAD. I like to get a push of NAD, uh, NAD Plus. just a It's a 50 milligram push.
1: Okay. How often?
2: I like to do it at least twice a week. Okay. It's a quick push. It takes five minutes. And then I like to get a bag once a week of resveratrol. So resveratrol does not absorb well. You absorb very, very, very little. We have made for us huge dosed bags, 100% absorbed into your vein. So we're really gonna start getting those sirtuin cells to make sure that everything's written right in our DNA. We're gonna have the NAD coming in to give us the energy to rewrite our DNA appropriately, keep us young, keep deletions and, and substitutions and everything's at a minimum. So that I'm basically expressing the peak of genetic excellence at all times.
1: No, I love that. Now, I also just thought of something with that NAD push, because most people have to do that over like a span of hours. Right. Now, how does that work out? Because I know it can really-
2: oh, oh, it's it's intense. Yeah, I mean, most people pass out and throw up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, So the push is only 50 milligrams. In a bag, here, it's 500 milligrams.
1: Okay, okay, so it's- so
2: It still makes you feel funky. I mean, you get a little, like, one cc at a time, and you go, oh, give me a second. You kind of hold, and you're like, I'm burning here, I'm burning there. Try not to throw up. Okay, here's another. And you just kind of go slow. Um, But after you do it, once you're used to it. And she's like, I got this. I I know what to feel. I know it's, because it's hard to explain what NAD feels like until you do it. I have some lady, she's so sweet. I think she's around 60, maybe 60. She's in her 60s. And she gets NAD. She's like, I love NAD. I never did drugs, but I'm pretty sure this is what it would feel like
0: he's wow. so funny.
2: i mean it's ador- it's 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 really adorable but uh they're great things and just doing a push makes it quick a quick pick-me-up versus having to wait two to four hours to have a bag done by the way i can do a whole 500 milliliter bag in our 500 milligram bag in about an hour and 21 minutes is my record it's
1: pretty good pretty good <laughs> yeah i can
2: do a half bag although it was really terrible did a half bag in 21 minutes which is 250 milligrams sweating trying not yeah. to throw up my feet up and down. I keep moving my feet around because I can't get comfortable. But I had to get it between patients, so I was just going as fast as I possibly could. Wow. But uh, anywho, so get a hold of us, drgoodbinder.com, and uh, come check us out.
1: I love it. Perfect way to wrap up the episode. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome.
1: And thank you to our audience for tuning in today. We are so glad that you did, and I know you'll absolutely love this episode just as much as I did. So thank you for tuning in, and we will see you in the next one.
0: The content provided by the Synthesis of Wellness LLC via its podcast and domain is for informational purposes only and should not be used as medical advice or as a replacement for medical care. The Synthesis of Wellness podcast, synthesisofwellness.com the synthesis of wellness LLC and Chloe Porter disclaim responsibility from adverse effects resulting from using the content provided. Please seek and consult a licensed physician for your health and medical needs. Furthermore, Chloe Porter and the synthesis of wellness podcast are not responsible for the opinions of guests featured on the podcast.